welcome to Coaching from the Sofa. I'm Shane Lord. I'm Rob Harvey. Episode 6. Let's go. Katie reckons I can't move the kids' photos to put it on the nice table as you walk in. When that whistle goes, you see a whole new side to some people. Your ability doesn't matter. We're all just here to have fun and play football. That's what happens. That's the thought. So it is just ability counts in a matter of ability doesn't count. Just come and have a good time. That's what it all is. So you're building Old Trafford at the moment, Ben. This is a birthday present, right? You've not done it yet, Cooper, man. I'm on the Sir Alex Ferguson stand and it's just stressing me out. So what's happened? What, what's the problem? It wasn't that difficult. Well, yeah, I'm starting to wish I'd have spent it on beer to be fair. Changed it in a, in a week. Yeah, but one of the little uh, white oneers, you know, the little oneers. Yeah. Yeah. One of them in, in the packet. Oh, do you want my. I think. Hold on, look. What have you done with it? What? Wait a second, Ben. Hold on. You got a spare? Is this what you're missing? Yeah, yeah a little oneer. Yeah, I got spares yeah, in my pack. It. Didn't you get any? Yeah, keep hold of that. Yeah, I've got odd spares, but there might be one in a later pack. I've managed to bodge it. What part was it? What what was it on? The top of the sand? Uh, No, the little little post bit. Little post bit? (laughs) No, that ain't it. It's got a little lump on the top. And did your phone just go off again? Hold on, hold on. Did his phone just go off again, Rob? I thought we were over all this last week. I think we should start making a tally, see how many we can get in a series. It's the one competition I think he would do us with. 17-0 to Cooperman. Ben, look, this. Oh, a bigger one. This. Oh. Oh, a tall one. Game changer. Game changer. Oh, okay, no, you don't get any. You you only get single bits. You only get like single spares. You don't get any. Ben has got one on his Lego police station, so I might have to. Do you think he'll notice if it's gone? No. <laughs> <laughs> so by next week, Ben. By next week, Ben, will we see will we see a new uh, improved upgrade with a police station missing a bit? <laughs> Where's it being housed? Housed? Mm. We've had a bit of a row about this. <laughs> ben, is your phone on silent? It's the phone again! Oh, yeah, I'll put it on. Uh, that's twice in this episode that's gone off, Ben. I'm just coming alive, Billy. Hang on, do not disturb. Right, yeah, Kaylee reckons I can't move the kids' photos to put it on the nice table as you walk in, but... <laughs> Is it not even up for debate, Ben? Sorry, kids. I think I think I'll swindle it, and the kids' photos can go somewhere else. I love them and all that, but are you going to go for the presentation case, space. the plastic presentation yeah. case? Are you going to go for the plastic presentation case? What's that? Well, it stops the dust getting on it. Oh, I'd have to get one of those. <laughs> I want to see a uh, completed picture, Ben. I want to see a completed picture uploaded to the Twitter. Oh, yeah, that'll be on there, Rob. I yeah. don't think it'll look as good as Shane's, though. 
Mine will look like it, a. Uh, it is the same. Exactly. Mine will be mine will be from the outlet, the outlet store. Miss, it's missing a few parts. <laughs> Ben's Ben's stand's going to be before they filled in the corners. It's going to be open ended. <laughs> Today's guest is a is a really good one. I think um, what I particularly like about this is when you stumble upon a guest that is so inspiring, that is involved with football and coaching, yet people probably don't know. So many, many people watch Gogglebox and will know the Malone family. Um, you've got the dad, Tom, then you've got the mum, Julie, young Tom, and our guest today, Sean Malone. So if you can't picture this Gogglebox family, if we said it's Dave the dog and all of the cakes on the footstool in front of them, you should know who we're talking about. But Sean has got the most incredible, inspiring football story that uh, runs into how he got into coaching. So really excited for him joining us later. And not only is he a Manchester United fan, he works for Manchester United, Rob. So just getting you back from last week, you managed to find... Uh, Liverpool fan in Steve Bradshaw, um, but we need to keep this lead. So th- this brings it back to three-one on the. Uh... I'm back to the drawing board, and I'm I'm going to be going bigger and better. Don't you boys wait? It's going to be a a big comeback. We started the season slowly, but we'll finish the season strong. Actually, I say three-one. Is it two-one? Yeah. We're, we're we're going to count Ben. So we'll count Ben and today's star as well. Sean, Mike so... and Sean three. Oh, oh no, it is three-one. Three three one. One. We're not going to count Ben. Chadwick, Cambridge, John, Bournemouth. But there is something I want to bring up because I'd, I'd like to apologise to every single supporter of Norwich City who listens to this show. Because I was thinking, I haven't said a positive thing about that poor club and nor has anyone else. So when John did it, I mentioned the mistake by Brian Gunn when Ipswich scored. Then we had Luke who talked about his 4-0 win for MK Dons as his best ever game against Norwich. And then we had Steve Bradshaw, who spoke about the 7-1 win for Colchester against poor old Norwich. If anyone from Norwich, we don't mean to offend you. <laughs> well, in the positive side, they did, they did then take Coach United's manager. So, I mean, they, yeah. they did go on to have a and major Steve did have a Norwich shirt, promotions. didn't he? Steve did he have did. a Norwich shirt. And just to continue with the test, Rob, Norwich, Suffolk or Norfolk? Gonna go Norfolk for this one. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> well done, Rob. So I guess this week is Sean Malone from Channel 4's Gogglebox. Usually at this point we'll give you some background on our guests. But Sean's story is so amazing, we feel that it'd be better this week coming from him. So let's get him in. I think before we get on to coaching, we have got to talk about Gogglebox because I am an absolute massive fan of the show. Absolutely love it. Um, and the Malones are definitely my favourite family. So how much fun is it being on that, Sean? All right, good laugh. I've got to be honest. It is proper top. It is fun to do. It's like, as you grow up, you spend a bit less time having family time. So it's nice to like... it. Make almost makes us as a family have to do that, so it's good. That's a good thing about doing it, and it is a good laugh. Don't get me wrong, we do start rowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
And, and that's you've been missing the last couple of weeks. Is that because of lockdown? Yeah, I've been missing because um, cause my missus is pregnant. So I've moved in with her while all this stuff's going on. And obviously you can't go between households. So I've not been able to go into my mum and dad's house to be able to do it. Oh, excellent. Well, congratulations on the baby, buddy. Congratulations. That's great news. Yeah, congrats. Cheers. Getting closer now. I'm starting to get pretty scared now. <laughs> When's the due date? <laughs> I was all just full excitement, and until after, it's it's sort of beginning of July, I think. Uh, the missus oh, wow. mad at me for forgetting when it then, but it's around then. <laughs> but now it's getting closer. I'm getting more scared. And and just out as, as a curious watcher, how do, how do they record it, Sean? In the sense of do they just put a camera in your mum and dad's lounge and then it just watches you and you watch as normal? Yeah, that's that's literally it. It's just a camera there and we just do our thing. We just watch it. Yeah. It's pretty... It is what you see on TV, really. Did I tell you what to watch, Sean? Yeah, well, what they do is they stream it straight through to the TV. We don't have a clue what's coming on. We just, ah. like... Believe me, if it was up to me what we watch, it'd be less down to now be more match of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not watching Great British Bake Off just in my own time. <laughs> and, and cakes are obviously a massive part of the Malone family setup. Every time we see some different treats on the on the stool in front of you guys, what's what is the favourite in the Malone household? I suppose it's per preference. I'm a cherry bakewell guy. Oh, oh choice. <laughs> Very good choice. My dad's just, he'll sit tight on a Jaffa cake. He's happy with his Jaffa cakes. <laughs> but I'm cherry bakewell for days. <laughs> Love it. So, Sean, you also starred in Billy Elliot in London's West End. Did you play Billy Elliot? And what was the best bit about appearing in the show? I, I was in Billy Elliot, but have you ever seen the film Billy Elliot? Yeah, I have. You know how Billy Elliot has got a gay best mate that wears dresses? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the part that I played when I was in <laughs> Billy Elliot. I've still, I've, still, I've still got the dress and everything. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, long, how long did you play that for, Sean? I did it for two and a half years from when I was 11. To be in thir- thirteen, brilliant. So yeah, the dress don't fit me anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I do try to throw it on every now and again. Just a little bit of a thing. Uh, what What was your favourite part of it? What was the best bit? Um, wearing the dress. <laughs> Possibly, but the be- best part of it was because it was due to child working laws. They have to get multiple different lads to play different parts because we can only do so many hours. So the, there was lads from all over the country that had to go and live in London in these like chaperones houses. So you'd be living like with your mates. So for two and a half years, it was like one big long sleepover with my pals. So that was a really good part of it. Wow, that is amazing. That is cool. And, and that, now, now we've grown up, like all the different lads have gone on to different things. People are dentists and um, 
people are doing acting, like Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man. I was in Billy Elliot with him when he was doing it. Pretty cool. Yeah, wow. It's nice to see what everyone's doing now as well. Now we've all grown up to be men. Yeah. Uh, Your brother's a dancer as well, isn't he? Is that right? I've just picked that up from the show. Yeah, my brother's a dancer. He's big time. Absolute loves it. Like, it's cool he's a dancer and I'm so proud of him because he does it really good but it's so annoying when I'm just trying to listen to some music at home and he's there I can just hear his feet shuffling behind me and starts doing this and I turn around thinking I'm going to see some proper top class dancing and he's kind of like just doing this with his arms and (laughs) doing different stuff and he makes it look dead easy and I'm like I think I'll have a crack at that and my dancing days are way behind me I tell you what, though, it must be in the Malone gene because I was quite impressed with your dad's um, attempt at the break dancing last week. <laughs> oh, so the, the thing is, ever since being little kids, like me, me dad had come come back from like he'd go on Google, like when we'd be dancing, he'd go on YouTube, see what other dancers doing, and he'd be like, "Hey, I've seen some of this on the internet, lads, and these people are doing these things, going around on the back for ages, and ages. You just need to learn to do that." There's this like break dancing move called the baby freeze, and I can't even do it, but my dad learned to do it and he's doing it in the front room. Mental, he will give it a go. After that, you've gone into, um, into your coaching and it'd just be interesting to see if you could explain your story of the coaching, explain your journey, see how you've gone from Billy Elliot to doing your coaching. Uh, I am... Um left Billy Elliot in 2008 and came back to Manchester and was just living like normal life and whatever, going out with my mates and doing stuff like that. And then in 2010, I um, got sinusitis and in some way the infection found its way from like all my sinuses back to my brain. And in that, my brain started swelling and then got like, my school started crushing it and then I my mum took me to the A&E saying like look he's Paulie and it was like no it's just sinusitis sent us back and then I collapsed one day at home and I went down to the hospital and I ended up um, going into a coma and then I was and they didn't know they said to my mum and dad that I had like a less than 10% chance of living or something like that and then, and then I was in a coma for a few weeks. And he said, like, he, he said to me, Mum and Dad, Sean's got brain damage. We don't know what the brain damage is or how it'll affect him or if it's going to be like really, really bad kind of thing. So he didn't know. And then I woke up and my brain damage, it affected me in, in some ways of like memory and different stuff. But mostly the way it affected me was my um, left side. So I I essentially had like a stroke. I couldn't move my left arm, my left leg, even the left side of my face. Like my sister's got pictures of me trying to eat and I look like, you know, in Batman The Dark Knight when um, Harvey Dent's had his face all burned already. He's like, "Ah," and he's trying to do it. It's like I'm trying to eat out one side of my mouth. But yeah, that's what it was like. So I woke up with the bad left side and I spent 
six months in hospital on like my recovery and getting better like was only 15 at the time so I am um, I missed full year 11 at school and then when I came out of school out of hospital I then had to retake year 11 again and this was it had a huge impact on my um, mental health really because I'd gone from being a very outgoing like I was a performer and everything a very outgoing young kid to then having all my independence and everything taken away from me like there was a period of time where my mum and dad had to wipe my ass for me it was literally that so I had nothing mm-hmm. and then I um then it not my my mental health a bit because I had I thought like in school, I was like, oh, I'll always be all right because I'm doing well with my acting and stuff. So I thought I was, I thought that was me for life. And then this thing came and it happened. So I didn't know what I was going to do. And then one of my physiotherapists told my mum, there's this thing that Manchester United Foundation does that's disability football. So my mum spoke to me about it, asked to if I'd want to do it. And I was like, yeah, 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 that'd be fun. Obviously, you get dead excited, like, oh, I'm going to play for Man United. Just dead guinea. So then I went, I went down there, and it was the best thing I ever did. And my mum says it all the time. It was the best decision she ever made because I went down there, got involved playing disability football, and being around different people with disabilities and that, and it put everyone on a level playing field and stuff. So it was really fun to be doing and getting down there. And not only did playing football in that way help my mental health and help me get more confident and more outgoing and stuff, it also physically helped my recovery because I was doing the running and balancing and everything. So that's how I got into football again. And I absolutely loved it. So I was playing disability for disability football for a few years real fun that is just such such an inspiring story that is absolutely incredible to hear that sean um we, we often talk about this as coaches that people you know if you haven't been involved with football people are quick to say that football is just football it's just 11 guys running after a ball um but something that we've found out through many of our chats in the last few weeks that football is so much more than that it, is, it can bring so many things other than just exercise, the other benefits, the mental health benefits. But this is why we're so interested to talk to you. Something that we haven't touched on at all is rehabilitation or uh, giving people hope, you know, and giving people a chance to be involved with something um, and the benefit that it actually gives to you from, a, from not only a health perspective, but a mental health perspective. Uh, and as you've said, like from strength, your back running again, your balance, your agility, coordination. Um, it gives you a new lease of life, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Like, it's fo- football, as I'm sure to many people, in my case, it was almost like a medicine in how... Because physio is only so much like stretching this muscle and trying to activate this muscle. But that's doing it, but... There's no fun in it, if you get me. Whereas yeah. football, it's a challenge and you're doing something. It's keeping you, It's the gaming aspect of it, which is just, it helped me so much. 
I think if people says to you, it says you've got to do these exercises and you've got to follow this plan, again, all of a sudden, if someone puts a ball on a pitch and says chase after that, it's, it's much easier and it's much more fun doing that, isn't it, than someone following a set of exercises by yourself. A hundred percent. It's like it's it's so much. If if you just get told swing your leg, you could be doing it for ten minutes and it get boring. If you put a ball in front of you and you say boot that, and you sound, <laughs> yeah, what's going to get you going? We've noticed that Manchester United call it ability football. Um, from a terminology perspective, disability football, ability football, it's it's okay to use both terms. Yeah, it's it's completely United. The program United uses ability counts football, and that is that is the name of the league. It's ability counts. However, it is disability football, but the reasoning for ability counts as the name is your ability doesn't matter. We're all just here to have fun and play football. That's what happens. That's the thought. So it is just ability counts in a matter of ability doesn't count. Just come and have a good time. That's what it all is. There's all different kinds of disability. Like obviously you get your hearing impaired football and blind football, which is amazing also. And, amputee football incredible what I played competitively was what they call pan disability football which is physical and neurological disabilities so that so my physical would be someone with maybe cerebral palsy and stuff like that and neurological could be learning difficulties or my brain injury and stuff like that so and players, I've had teammates with ADHD, but I've also had teammates with cerebral palsy that's affected all four limbs and stuff. So it is a real range of who you're playing with and different stuff. But at the same time, it is just a level playing field for everyone. You're playing for Manchester United um, at the foundation, Sean, and then... How did that inspire you or move on to you getting involved with the coaching side of it? Yeah. Like, like I was saying, um, when, I, when I first started going there, I was quite low and I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now. I can't do my acting or anything. I went down there and there was a coach who had cerebral palsy. And I seen it. I seen he's got a disability. He's doing something with his life. He's doing something he really loves and it looks great to me. So I thought, well, that's something I can do. So I applied myself into and I chose, I was inspired by him almost. And it opened my eyes. And I was like, so that's what I want to do. That's really what I want to do. And one real thing I love now is knowing that there could be a kid on the pitch when I'm coaching that looks at me and goes, Sean's got a brain injury, he's got a disability, but he's doing this. So I can do that and, and help inspire. Absolutely amazing. I'm actually um, struggling to find words, Sean. I think it, it, you, are, you are absolutely incredible. You know, to, that, that being a coach is all about inspiring and, and literally just listening to you. You're, you are so inspiring. So what you're doing is absolutely incredible. Cheers. So what does a typical day look like for you with your coaching? Is it same, same same kind of stuff or is it literally all days, every day is different? Well, 
Um, coaching, coaching kids. Kids can be in any mood when they turn up. You'll get used to it. <laughs> so you never know what's going on. But so obviously with disability football, it's even more unpredictable. Like some of the some of the stuff is just crazy. Sometimes it's just like come on the pitch and everyone's running everywhere and it's it's just like and everyone's just I'm in that's all that matters. Like I do not care if they're doing the drill that I'm trying to say to do. As long as they're running around with smiles on their faces, I'm doing my job. Of course you are. Where where um where does it actually happen? Where does the, where does it take place? Um before United moved to Carrington, where they train now at the Aeon Training Complex, they had the cliff in Salford, which if you've seen the Class of 92 documentary, it's yeah. where all of that films, like, before they moved to Carrington, everything was at the cliff, and that's where they do the disability football yeah. training. So for you, you turn up there, is it, is it sort of like a 9 to 5 job, or are the timings flexible? It's every Friday night we do training every Friday night and, and that's where all the players come down. And when I started going, that was a huge thing for me. I was like, wow, Ronaldo's playing on this pitch. Like ages eight Beckham's played on this pitch. And the changing rooms are still there from when like Dennis Law and George Best and that the old training facilities are still there. It's crazy knowing all these people like Ballon d'Or winners and stuff that's been on the pitch that you're playing on now when you're in that situation, it is crazy. That must be a massive lift for everyone mm-hmm. that comes through, just knowing that you're playing amongst your heroes, pretty much. It, it's a real crazy lift. Everyone loves it when they walk in and there's pictures of everything around and you just know where you're playing. And if you're on the pitch and you see all the kids enjoying yourself and then you look up to the balcony and all the parents are like, can't believe where I am. The parents love it as well. Must be incredible. Do the first team players um, come down and visit, uh, make make visits to your training sessions? Yeah, as much as they can, the foundation try and get first team players and stuff involved and coming and doing stuff. And the players absolutely love getting involved. They love it coming and doing stuff with the different players. It's ab- such a credit to the players, the good stuff they do. Like, even not just in a footballing way. When I was a child in hospital over the Christmas period, it can be quite a sad time because it's Christmas and you're not at home with your family. And when I was in, the United players with the foundation came into the hospital then. So that was my first experience as a disabled person with football was when the players came in to come and visit me in the hospital. And what's crazy is that day I met Carrick and then a few years later, I'm coaching and Carrick's and I was talking to Carrick and Carrick was, I was telling him how I met him years ago in the hospital. And he was like, wow, it's amazing. It's crazy. And it, it was really nice because he was like, oh, that's amazing, Sean. And I had pictures of me with him and he was like, you've done really well. And he was so nice about it. It was so good. The, crazy stuff the first team players and stuff put effort into giving time to people it's very nice that is great to know that yeah it's brilliant 
Matter as I was going to say, I bet one Matter is the nicest guy in football. He's so nice. Everyone loves it when Matter's about because he's just such a nice guy. And he gets very involved, like, because United do stuff in, um, like, different schools around Manchester and, like, different special schools. And when Matter goes down there, he gets so involved with everyone. Cannot credit him enough. Such a top bloke. I don't know who I know on Facebook. He um, asked Matt to come and watch one of his... He's got a youth team in Manchester somewhere. And uh, he asked Matt to come along. He was there, 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night, training with... Helping with his kids. <laughs> That's amazing. It is crazy what they do. So when you're, when you're putting a session together, I know you kind of touched on it briefly, but what are the kind of outcomes you're looking for? Obviously, you're looking for the kids to be smiling, but is that... Is it literally just... You want them to be out there getting the ball as much, or what is your what's your main focus usually? My main focus is because, say, these kids are at school and they're doing PE. Realistically, a lot of them are going to be the last pick for the team and different stuff like that. So when they come down to training on a Friday, I, I just want. And we want everyone to get as many touches on the ball as they can. Just everyone see some of the ball and just keep it going, making sure everyone's involved and just keeping everyone on the ball doing stuff. That's so no one's. So it's nice for them to feel they're not the last ones to be doing anything. They're all just as involved as each other. Massive. And and just 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 to wrap it up, Sean, with that. Um, if you, if you had to sum it up, how important would you say that football has been in your life? It's crazy. It would be hard to put into words. Like, I honestly don't know where I'd be now. Like, If it weren't for football, I definitely don't think I would be the person I am now. Because like, thinking back to before I got involved with disability football, I was totally different. I was very shy very shy and just kept myself I would never have approached someone it was at a point where if I was in a shop and I needed help I wouldn't go up to someone to ask them for help because I'd get too anxious about it and be too shy whereas football it stopped all that because you've got to be talking to people on the pitch all the time and it by putting me in them situations where I have to do stuff it helped my life completely. I'm struggling for words, Sean. I, I think just you're an inspiration. You truly, you truly are an inspiration. I think um, I so much credit for you for having a chat with us as well. Yeah, it, it it is great, and the great thing about it is to give credit to all football clubs in the northwest. Is there's the Ability Council League where City have a team and Bolton have a team. Everton have a team, Berry, well, Berry at the time had doing their stuff. Oldham had a team. So it's so good that football in general do this stuff for these people who often get forgotten when it comes to sport. Cooperman's rant. Okay, we've all been there playing the game we love. And someone's got a smarmy comment, like, you're awful, you're rubbish. Why do people think that's okay to do that? Like, 
if they're playing on a Sunday morning, the same as I am, they're probably about the same level. I'm not sure this guy who's having a go at me is going to be the next big thing. He's 25, paying to play football on a Sunday. So I don't really think he's got the right to call anyone rubbish. He doesn't know what they've been through. And he doesn't know who they are either. So I'm not suggesting for one minute I've never said anything to an opponent. I've said lots of things in my playing days and did lots of things that I shouldn't have done. But I've never told anyone they were rubbish because that would just be stupid. Um, abusing an opponent and their ability, in my opinion, is wrong. Actually, these people, if they come up against a pro, they'd realise that it's all really relative because anyone who's far better than someone else in the Sunday league should probably be playing a higher level and is probably scared of playing at a higher level. I've seen it in new football and I've heard it in new football and I've officiated games. And when I have, I've stopped it and I put them right and say, look, don't do that. Play kind or don't bother. I've only ever refereed one player who could probably back up that comment and he played in a World Cup and the Premier League. But did he? Of course he didn't. He played football and let his feet do the talking. So uh, over to you, chaps. What do you think about that, Sean? We've all experienced it on a football pitch. Someone else telling you you're rubbish. I think everyone's experienced it. But in saying that, I know not so much as you're rubbish. I can be a very sore loser myself. I can, when I lose, I'm fuming me. And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> absolute fuming, but, and I'll be like, oh, everyone's done that. Oh, they got lucky there. We should have won that. But for some, when people are like, oh, you're rubbish, that's just not needed, really. You can be frustrated at your loss, and that's expected, and at different stuff. And believe me, if I get Meg, they're definitely lucky to have done it. There's no way I'm giving <laughs> someone credit for doing it. Uh, what are your I thoughts, Rob? Uh, I'm completely the same as everyone. I, I, I'm sure I say stuff in the heat at the moment, but when you look back at it, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like people using football as an excuse to just absolutely slate people with abuse. Which, if you did in the street, people would have something to say about it. It's, it's it is crazy, I, and I, I don't really know where it's come from. But you see people who go to games and get banned for life for hailing abuse from the from the stands. Like they're different people on a Saturday when that, when that when that whistle goes. You see a whole new side to some people, and it's it's strange. I, I presume it's just their passion, but it's just strange to see such a big character change in some people. And it's funny, isn't it? Because from the sidelines, when you go to watch a football match, you think of the abuse that you hurl or, or that gets hurled around you from the fans at players. It is absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? What you it hear is ridiculous, honestly. I mean, I, I play in a standard Saturday division, and it is. Some of the stuff that gets shouted from the side is just ridiculous. Like you hear it, it's it's almost personal. It's like, <laughs> and I've never met these people who are absolutely berating me. I mean, when you score, just, it's quite funny because you've got one up on them, so it's not too bad. But when you're having a bad game, there's nothing more, nothing worse than getting absolutely battered by the fans. I don't understand it. And then, and when they bring up your age, like you old so and so, like I've got something to let you know, mate. There's a fine chance you are going to. To get older, like I haven't on. had that one yet, Ben. You should actually be giving someone credit for playing football in their thirties, forties, shouldn't you? Ah. Going back to what Sean says, though, Rob, have you ever been nutmegged in a big um, game? I got nutmegged, um, I think, once in a, in a game, and uh, it, it was right in front of a lot of fans, and it went down quite well with the fans, and it didn't go down very well with me. And we were playing in a cup game. It's my first game back with the first team, and. Um, 
one of the players who used to be at Brighton Sea, sort of, we were going for a bit of a 50-50 and I put the brakes on. It was quite dry. It was near the summer. And I've just gone absolutely flying, sliding past him. He just took a little touch past me. And our fans were cheering. Our fans were egging him on. And I had just gone flying. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, all I need is a bit of confidence on my first game back. And I was getting heckled by our own team. I'd actually played quite well as well. I could actually uh, see where you're coming from there, Rob. Um, saying about getting heckled. Like, I had one with my teammates. I hadn't bought it on the line. And the other team was saying, don't send him off, ref. There's no need. My team was saying, get rid of him, ref. Send him off. Although I'm with Sean on the nutmegs, because if someone nutmegged me, I'd think £10 for a booking, I'll take it. I've, I've accumulated quite a few bookings on me for that reason, I have to say. So first up, Ronaldo or Messi and why? Ronaldo. It's a heated debate of a topic, but I say Ronaldo. He's Messi. He scores. How many headers has Messi scored? How many Ronaldo scores with everything? Great answer. Yeah. No, that, that is the first Ronaldo we've had. It's all very close, and and as you say, it's it's one of those ones. It's a very tight one to call, but that is the first Ronaldo we've had. Much to the delight of uh, Ben and Shane. <laughs> Who is your favourite player of all time, and why? Um. Vidic, I stick with Vidic just for the pure fact of his his desire to get to the ball first. Like people laugh at Phil Jones at that time; he stuck his nut on it, sliding across the floor. I I commend that because someone could boot him in the head when he's doing that, but he'd rather do that than concede a goal. In all fairness, what Phil Jones does usually ends up in conceding a goal, but <laughs> it's the effort that counts. Yeah, Vidic, like, he was an animal. I remember like him saying, oh, I can't think quite off the top of my head what it was, but it was something like, you can always fix a broken bone, but you can't get your pride if someone scored a goal. Yeah. I, th- I think he said something like... Um, a broken nose will heal, but you yeah, that was it. regain your pride or something like that. Yeah. And that is what I really relate to, and I really like that attitude. So that's why I'd say Vidic is my favourite player ever. He certainly suits the song, doesn't he? Big time. <laughs> <laughs> Great shout. Great shout. So, what is the best game you've ever watched live and the best game you've ever played in? Trying to think. Um, a few years ago, it was probably about, I think it was probably the 12-13 season, I watched um, United versus Ajax at Old Trafford, and that was just so good due to the atmosphere, and then Dutch fans, whew, they are crazy. <laughs> the, the flares going off and everything, could hardly see the pitch. It was crazy. Oh, actually, I've, I forgot this one. Aston Villa 2013, when Van Persie got the hat-trick. Favourite one to watch. When that third goal went in that belt in volley. Wow. To watch it over and over again. Do you get to to most games, Sean? Are you a season ticket holder? Well, I get to as many games as I can. My mum and dad's house is literally 
about half a mile from the stadium. It's not far at all. Oh, wow. So I've grown up around it and everything. Like when United score, I can hear it in my house. So not having the three o'clock kickoffs on TV is no problem for me. I get down as much as I can. And over the last few years, I've not got down as much as I'd like to. But um, 2012-13 season, I was at pretty much every home game. Even though I didn't have a season ticket, I was borrowing it off one of my dad's mates. And I, that was just a great season as well. So I was so lucky to have been going so much that year. Did you go to the Swansea game that year, um, Sean? Yeah, 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 I did, yeah. That was emotional, wasn't it? Big time. That, that was absolute <laughs> crazy. The atmosphere in the stadium as well. I, there'll never be a bigger goodbye at Old Trafford than that. Not only was it Fergie, but it was Skulls as well. I did cry like a baby that day, I won't lie. It was it was emotional. I've still got me um me flag that they were giving out. Yeah, so have I. <laughs> Treasured that for life. And, and what about what about the best game you've ever played in, Sean? Is there any games that stick out in your mind that you've played in? The best game I've played in isn't really for how I played in the game. I played terrible. But um we got to play on Old Trafford once. Because United every year they do this pitch day where they get different participants and stuff from different projects to be able to play on the pitch. And there was this one year when they got a few of the disability players to have a mid, uh, just like a 15-minute match at Old Trafford. And I played terrible. I, I got made that day, actually. Wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> My me, me mates don't let me live it down, but yeah, that's my favourite game I've played in. The, the biggest problem with it was I got on Old Trafford, I thought I'm at Old Trafford now. I'll start pinging about like I'm Skulls, won't happen in for me. But do you know what? There's actually professional players who sometimes act like that, isn't there? Who thinks I've made it. Big time. So what was the, uh, the first kit you ever owned, Sean? Um, I can't remember the year, but it was that that year that United had that. It was a Vodafone kit, and it was gold. 2001-2002. And looking back to it, it was not a nice kit at all. And I always remember it because it was so horrible. My dog was sick on it once, and it looked a bit better. <laughs> it was reversible, wasn't it? Yeah. It was white one side and gold the other. Did it, did it have a name on the back, Sean? Did you have a name and a number I think I, I was only young at the time. I think my mum picked the name. I'm not even sure what it was. I used to, <laughs> That year I had a Bartez one as well, which shows how bad my mum's judgment was. Did you have the short sleeves like Bartez, Sean? Yeah, yeah, and I'd do all that when it was penalty trying to put people <laughs> off. Kicking the post, that was his favourite, wasn't it? Big time. <laughs> I was before it. Start pretending I was French in the garden and everything. <laughs> <laughs> that offside with the canio. Yeah. Well, I used to play football a lot in my bro- with my brother in the garden, and we'd be playing, and we'd go, "Oh, come on, let's play really well," because we had this idea that Michael Owen might fly over us in his helicopter and see us and go, "Actually, they need to sign him up." <laughs> 
It's true. It's what I used to think. <laughs> I don't think he ever took that flight path, though. <laughs> Finally, Sean, I've just got one more question. Um, who is the best coach that inspired you and why? Um, if we was talking, well, a coach that inspired me would be the lad that got me involved in football, but is as professional football. It's got to be Sir Alex. It couldn't be anyone else, really. Like, Pep Guardiola obviously has a great story behind him from going through La Masia and going on. And imagine Barcelona going on to be one of the best managers with his philosophy. That is quite inspiring and stuff, but there's no one other than Sir Alex, really, is there? Sean, honestly, we, we, can, um, we can never really thank you enough for just coming on and having a chat. You have been an absolute legend and, and so inspiring. Thank you for agreeing to do this. It, it's Thanks, really, Sean. really appreciated. Cheers a lot. Cheers. Right. If we ever get the chance, Sean, we'd love to come up and see you at some point and chat about United some more. Definitely do. I'd love it. Yeah, we'll, we'll right. stay in touch, yeah? Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Take care. Thank you, Sean. Cheers. 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 Bye. How good was that? Very good. Oh, it's unreal. Hilarious. Very, very inspiring. Oh, my God. I think probably the best guest we've had. Just because, flipping heck, like his, his story is unbelievable, isn't it? Absolutely unreal. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. If you've got any questions or you'd like to appear on the show, send us an email to pod at coachingfromthesofa.co.uk. 